2: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to another exciting edition of At The Rim. This is the program to get you caught up on anything and everything happening around the NBA Coming up on this edition of the program, I have an interview with Nick Agar-Johnson. He is the host of the No Ceilings NBA Deep Dives podcast and editor-in-chief and writer for No Ceilings NBA and co-host of the Kings Weekly Podcast. The podcast takes a look and covers anything and everything related to the Sacramento Kings. We discuss the NBA All-Star rosters and weekend. Also, we discuss the city of Indianapolis hosting this year's NBA All-Star game. We also discuss Tyrese Halliburton's criticism of the 65-game minimum rule and more. Plus, we have your latest league leaders in standing. So stay tuned. we got a jam-packed show, so sit back and enjoy. As always, I like to start off with my top three storylines. I like to start off talking about what would have happened, but it didn't happen. There was rumor mill going around at the trade deadline that LeBron James may have had a shot of going to play with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Well, the trade never went through. But there was reports that Draymond Green, who plays for the Golden State Warriors, him and LeBron are both represented by Rich Paul. Rich Paul is the owner and agent for Clutch Sports. That's his own sports agency. Draymond had contacted Rich Paul about the possibility of making a a trade with LeBron to go over to Golden State. And Rich Paul got in contact with Jeannie Buss, but no further motion was made in that, but can you imagine if that, man, that would have been the blockbuster of the blockbuster trades, if that would have happened with LeBron James playing alongside Stephen Curry with the Golden State Warriors. Just in hindsight, if that would have happened, that would have been so monumental. It would have been blockbuster, but in actuality, I'm glad that 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 did not happen because I love rivalries, and I think rivalries can be a healthy thing, especially in sports. And in the NBA, is no exception to the rule with Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, or Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls against the Detroit Pistons, or uh, Jordan and the Bulls going up against the New York Knicks, or the Indiana Pacers, or uh, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, uh, just to name a few. But man, if LeBron and Steph, just the opportunity of them, of those two gentlemen playing together, on that one team, on the Golden State Warriors, that would have been the super team of the super teams. It would have been insane. But there was the rumor this week, again, it was according to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne reported that there was the possibility that the Los Angeles Lakers were looking to shop LeBron James to the Golden State Warriors. There was rumors going about that. It was confirmed that Draymond Green got in contact with Rich Paul, who is the founder and the owner and president of Clutch Sports. Both Draymond and LeBron are both represented by Rich Paul at Clutch Sports. But Jeannie Buss and the Lakers, along with LeBron, said that nothing was in motion. But, man, if this would have happened, just the possibility of talking about this is amazing. LeBron and Steph on the same team, man, (laughs) what would have been? It may happen. Who knows, but right now we have our rivalry, our modern-day rivalry that we've had for over a decade and a half now between LeBron James and Stephen Curry. I like the rivalry. I think the rivalry is healthy. It's awesome. It's fun. It's nice to see two masters at work still do their thing, still getting the job done. But LeBron and Steph, on the possibility being in Golden State, nice talk, but I'm actually glad that it didn't go through. My next storyline is going to be the NBA All-Star Weekend. I love one of my favorite times in sports is the NBA All-Star Weekend. We know of the great memories that that weekend has produced with the slam dunk contest with Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Spud Webb, also Vince Carter, D. Brown, Harold Miner, Dwight Howard, just to name a few. And then even with last year's All Star Weekend and the slam dunk contest with Mac McClung, and how about the three point shootout, which is one of my favorites? That to me, it's always been, in my opinion, the highlight of the All Star Weekend. The three point shootout with Larry Bird, Craig Hodges, Ray Allen, Mark Price, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, also Damian Lillard, the Tim Legler, just to name a few. The All Star, the NBA All Star Weekend. Has always been fun and it's been dynamic. Now the slam dunk contest is starting to get a little revival starting to get a little resurgence again, but the three point shootout and then with the recent additions of the skills competition or the skills challenge, I should say the rising stars challenge, the all star weekend is just a lot of fun and it really signifies the start of the second half of the NBA season and Indianapolis, I'll get more into the city of Indianapolis and the state of Indiana coming up a little bit later in the interview with Nick Agar Johnson. But Indianapolis, that city and that state, the state of Indiana, they love their basketball. After all, Indiana is the Hoosier state. It's certainly it's a great city. It's a small market, but it's a market where there's a lot of sports going on with the Daytona 500, the NFL's Indianapolis Colts. And then you have the NBA's Indiana Pacers. And the Pacers are winning right now, so that's a great thing. And so we've got a great win indeed uh, this weekend with the NBA All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis. And then my last storyline is going to be the NBA All-Star Game. So we had the NBA All-Star Game. For quite a while, we had Team Giannis, Team LeBron, Team Steph. We've had players have a draft. On the night of the NBA All Star te- of the NBA All Star Game to select their players for their specific teams, this year they're returning to the original Eastern Conference versus Western Conference format, and I absolutely love it. It was good. Don't get me wrong. When the players had the opportunity to draft their teams on night on the night of the NBA All Star Game, but I just love it when it's East versus West because it's always been great games. I mean, there have been great games. That we've seen with Team Giannis and Team Steph and Team LeBron and so on and so forth. But there's just been some classic games where we had the East versus West. And it's, it's just good to see them get back to the original format, the way it was always meant to be, East versus West. And you've got a slew of stars. LeBron, Steph, KD, Giannis, Dame Dollar, Nikola Jokic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jalen Brunson, Oh, gosh, just to name a few. East versus West, man. I'm glad that it's back to the regular format. And this is what, I mean, this is what the NBA wants in certain ways. I don't know what the NBA wants, but I know this is what I like. This is what I want. And I'm glad that they're back to the original format of having the Eastern Conference versus the Western Conference for this year's NBA All-Star Game in Indianapolis. We'll get talking more about the NBA All-Star Weekend in just a bit, but let's get right to the the current league leaders in the association. Let's start off with points per game. The leading scorer in the NBA in the first half of the year is Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks. He's averaging 34 points per game. Coming in at number two is Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's averaging 31 points per game. Coming in at number three is Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. He's averaging 30 points per game. Followed at number four, Donovan Mitchell from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And at number five is Kevin Durant from the Phoenix Suns. Our next category is going to be rebounds per game. At number one, DeMontis Sabonis from the Sacramento Kings. He's averaging over 13 rebounds per game. Coming in at number two is Rudy Gobert from the Minnesota Timberwolves followed by Anthony Davis at number three from the Los Angeles Lakers. And then tied for fourth, we have Jalen Duran from the Detroit Pistons and Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. Next category is going to be field goal percentage. At number one, Daniel Gafford from the Dallas Mavericks. He's shooting 68% from the field. At number two, from the Toronto Raptors, Jacob Pirtle. He's shooting 67% from the field. Coming in at number three, is Ivaka Zubats from the Los Angeles Clippers. He's shooting 65% from the field. Coming in at number four is Rudy Gobert. And at number five, Jared Allen from the Cleveland Cavaliers. The next category that we have is assists per game. Coming in at number one, Tyrese Halliburton from the Indiana Pacers. He's averaging almost 12 assists per game. At number two, Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. Coming in at number three, Luka Doncic. At number four, Nikola Jokic. And at number five, James Harden from the Los Angeles Clippers. Next category is going to be steals per game. Leading the, currently leading the league in steals is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's currently averaging over two steals per game. Coming in at number two is Donovan Mitchell. Coming in at number three, representing the Sacramento Kings, De'Aaron Fox. Coming in at number four, we have Kawhi Leonard from the Los Angeles Clippers. And at number five is his teammate, Paul George. Next category is going to be blocks per game. Coming in at number one, it's the rookie sensation from the San Antonio Spurs, Victor Wembanyama. He's averaging over three blocks per game. Coming in at number two, Walker Kessler from the Utah Jazz. He's averaging close to three blocks per game. Coming in at number three, Brooke Lopez from the Milwaukee Bucks. At number four, Chet Holmgren from the Oklahoma City Thunder. And at number five, Anthony Davis from the Los Angeles Lakers. Next category that we have is going to be three-point percentage. At number one, Grayson Allen from the Phoenix Suns. He's shooting 49% from three-point range. At number two, Aaron Nesmith from the Indiana Pacers. He's shooting 46% from three-point range. At number three, Malik Beasley from the Milwaukee Bucks. At number four, Kevin Durant. And at number five, Jalen Williams. Next category is going to be three-point field goals made. At number one, guess who? Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors. At number two, Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks. At number three, Trey Young. At number four is his teammate from the Atlanta Hawks, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And at number five, Dante DiVincenzo from the New York Knicks. Next category that we have is free throw percentage. Coming in at number one, Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors. He's shooting almost ninety three percent from free throw from the free throw line. At number two, Damian Lillard from the Milwaukee Bucks. At number three, it's the other Splash Brother, Clay Thompson. At number four, Paul George, and at number five, from the Portland Trailblazers, Anthony Simons. And the last category that we have is minutes per game. Coming in at number one, averaging close to 38 minutes a game, DeMar DeRozan from the Chicago Bulls. At number two, Luka Doncic. At number three, Tyrese Maxey. And tied for fourth, we have Miles Bridges from the Charlotte Hornets and Kevin Durant from the Phoenix Suns. And those are your current league leaders in the association. All right, let's give you the current standings as we wind down the end of the first half of the season. Let's start off in the Eastern Conference. Currently in first place, the Red Hot Boston Celtics, they have a record of forty-three wins and twelve losses. Coming in at number two are the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have a record of thirty-six and seventeen. At number three, the Milwaukee Bucks, they have a record of thirty-five and twenty-one. At number four, the New York Knicks, they have a record of 33-22. and 22. Coming in in 5th are the Philadelphia 76ers. They have a record of 32-22. and 22. Coming in in 6th place are the Indiana Pacers with a record of 31-25. and 25. Coming in in 7th are the Miami Heat with a record of 30-25. and 25. Coming in in 8th place are the Orlando Magic, followed in ninth place by the Chicago Bulls. In 10th place are the Atlanta Hawks and then in 11th are the Brooklyn Nets, followed by the Toronto Raptors in 12th, and then the Hornets are 13th, and then the Washington Wizards, and then the worst record in the Eastern Conference belongs to the Detroit Pistons with a record of eight and 46. We move over now to the Western Conference. Currently, the, number, currently the team with the best record in the Western Conference in first place belongs to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have a record of 39 and 16. The Oklahoma City Thunder are second with a record of 37 and 17. The Los Angeles Clippers are third with a record of 36 and 17. The Denver Nuggets are fourth with a record of 36 and 19. The Phoenix Suns are fifth with a record of 33 and 22. The New Orleans Pelicans come in sixth place with the same record of 33 and 22. The Dallas Mavericks are seventh with a record of 32 and 23. The Sacramento Kings are in eighth place with a record of 31 and 23. The Los Angeles Lakers are ninth with a record of 30 and 26. The Golden State Warriors are tenth with a record of 27 and 26. Followed in 11th place by the Utah Jazz. Coming in in 12th place are the Houston Rockets. Followed in 13th place by the Memphis Grizzlies. And then. Second to last in 14th place are the Portland Trail Blazers. And then in last place with the worst record in the Western Conference are the San Antonio Spurs. So there you have it. Those are your current league leaders in standings in the association as we wind down the end of this first half of the season. All right, when we come back from the break... I have an interview with Nick Agar Johnson. He is the host of the No Ceilings NBA Deep Dives podcast and editor-in-chief and writer for No Ceilings NBA and co-host of the Kings Weekly Podcast. We discuss the NBA All-Star rosters and weekend, the city of Indianapolis hosting this year's NBA All-Star game.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Nick is coming up after the break. I'm Matt Robinson, and you're listening to At The Rim.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Ruben Patel with Patient Plus Urgent Care. These days, it can be hard to find the time and money to take care of yourself. We're here to help with our new Urgent Care membership, starting at $20 a month, The same as your car wash membership, visit any of our locations for that scratchy throat, runny nose, fever, chills, or any injury. Visit patientplusuc.com slash membership for more information. patientplusuc.com slash membership. Hi, I'm Dr. Reuben Patel with Patient Plus Urgent Care. These days, it can be hard to find the time and money to take care of yourself. We're here to help with our new Urgent Care Membership. Starting at $20 a month, the same as your car wash membership, visit any of our locations for that scratchy throat, runny nose, fever, chills, or any injury. Visit patientplusuc.com slash membership for more information. Patient Plus UC.
2: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
0: details.com slash membership
3: Modern life is noisy. Noise is everywhere. Excessive noise is harmful, linked to sleep deprivation, hearing loss, and heart disease. Should noise be the price we pay for progress? Actually, no. Many noise sources have quieter options. Gas-powered landscaping equipment is obsolete with battery-powered options greatly reducing noise and air pollution. Audible car alarms are obsolete, with vehicle immobilizers and GPS tracking providing silent anti-theft technologies. Quieter backup warning sounds are available, and adjustable directional sounds are less intrusive. So what can you do to reduce noise levels? Talk to store and building managers about safe sound levels. Work with elected officials and the police to strengthen noise enforcement. Join Noise-Free America, a coalition to promote quiet. Hi, I'm Dr.
0: Reuben Patel with Patient Plus Urgent Care. These days, it can be hard to find the time and money to take care of yourself. We're here to help with our new Urgent Care membership. Starting at $20 a month, the same as your car wash membership, visit any of our locations for that scratchy throat, runny nose, fever, chills, or any injury. Visit patientplusuc.com slash membership for more information. patientplusuc.com slash membership.
4: All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. It's another year, and it's another NBA All-Star Weekend. This year's game will be in the Midwest. It'll be in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we have all of the previews. Whether it be do, we'll go over the All Star rosters, also, also the All Star weekend, which is always a lot of fun with the three point shootout, the Rising Stars Challenge, slam dunk contest, just to name a few. And a gentleman that I've had on the program for quite a long time, always knowledgeable, always. Someone that knows his NBA, knows his basketball. Let's welcome him back to the program. He is a writer and editor-in-chief for No Ceilings NBA, also host of the No Ceilings NBA Deep Dives podcast, and he's the co-host of the Kings Weekly podcast, which is dedicated to anything and everything related to the NBA's Sacramento Kings. Let's welcome him back to the program, Nick Agar Johnson. Hey, Nick, what's going on, my man?
1: Hey, Ed, thanks so much for having me back. It's another year, another All-Star break, and another opportunity to have a great chat with you about the uh, upcoming All-Star festivities. So really happy to be back and happy to get into it with you.
4: Absolutely, Nick. And as always, thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the program. So again, it's another NBA All-Star weekend and we've got all of the festivities for this weekend and the game is taking place this year in Indianapolis. And let's start off with talking about the All-Star rosters. Let's start off with the starters in the Eastern Conference and the guards. I want to start off talking about Tyrese Halliburton from the Indiana Pacers. What a first half of the year it's been for Tyrese. Tyrese really had his coming out party in the NBA in-season tournament in Las Vegas back in December. And, man, you talk about one of the rising stars in the league. You're familiar with him, Nick. He played for the Sacramento Kings for a few seasons before being traded to the Pacers. But, man, this is his second all-star appearance. Give me your thoughts on Tyrese making the All-Star team.
1: I always love to see good things happen for Tyrese Halliburton. as you mentioned, he was a former Sacramento King, and he was an absolute joy to watch with the Kings. And he continues to be an absolute joy to watch with the Pacers. He's got such a fun, sort of infectious style of playmaking, getting everybody else on the team involved, you know, obviously leading the NBA in assists. But, you know, as you mentioned, he has sort of a bigger coming out out party to the rest of the world with his performance in the in-season tournament. But, Any Kings fan and any Indiana Pacers fan is very familiar with his game and it's great to see him starting the All-Star game in Indianapolis, of course, but, you know, it's an honor that he would have deserved no matter where he was playing in the NBA. If the All-Star game were in Cleveland this year, he would still be very much a deserved All-Star starter and, you know, again, it's just so much fun to watch him succeed and, you know, that trade is certainly one that Kings and Pacers fans will keep at the top of their minds for a long time as one that really, in a way, helped out both teams to sort of become the fully realized versions of themselves. So it's always great to see Tyrese succeed as a former Kings fan, and it's great, of course, that he'll be starting in Indiana for this All-Star game, but just so much fun to watch and really always awesome to see him doing well.
4: Absolutely, and uh, kudos to Tyrese. We're going to talk Tyrese again in just a little bit about something that, He caused a little controversy with a statement that he made. We'll get back to Tyrese in just a little bit, but again, congratulations to him on making the All-Star team. This is his second All-Star appearance. Let's talk about somebody else that's going to be in the backcourt with Tyrese. The other guard, Damian Lillard, a.k.a. Dame Dollar. So many great seasons with the Portland Trail Blazers. This is his first year with the Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, came to Milwaukee from that blockbuster trade in the off season with Portland. This is going to be his eighth All Star appearance. Your thoughts on Damian making another All Star team?
1: I mean, it's not a surprise that Damian Willard is once again an All Star starter. You know, because he's doing it in the opposite conference from where people might be used to seeing him doesn't mean that it's a particular surprise that he's an All Star. The Bucks have had a very interesting season overall. But ultimately, I mean, their two lead guys are starting the All-Star game. I'm sure we'll get to Giannis in just a minute, but it's not a surprise. I mean, Dame, you know, it was interesting. He had a bit of a sort of slower start than some maybe would have anticipated in Milwaukee, but he's certainly been putting it together since really that first couple of weeks. And again, not a surprise to see him in the All-Star game, but, you know, it is nice to see that his game hasn't dropped off at all since he got traded to Milwaukee and, Certainly, I would expect this to not be anywhere near his last
4: All-Star appearance. All right, rightfully so. And Damian Lillard makes another All-Star appearance. This is his first one as a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. And you mentioned his name. And let's move over to the forwards now. So at the forward position, we have his teammate representing the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo. His eighth All-Star appearance. Again, he's at the peak of his powers right now in terms of being one of the best, not just in the NBA, but in all of the world, representing what the world players have to offer, just foreign players, what they have to offer to the NBA. Your thoughts on Giannis making another All-Star team?
1: Giannis is in the middle of yet another spectacular season. I mean, he's on pace to break records with his 30-point-a-game average and his ridiculous efficiency. I mean, currently shooting 62% from the floor. Just absurd numbers from Giannis. And, you know, it's been very interesting to sort of see, in a way, is the evolution of his game, but really a lot of it is just what has been unlocked for him by Damian Lillard's presence in that, you know, Giannis doesn't necessarily have to be the closer for this team anymore. He can just sort of do what he does best, you know, not really have to, Force any shots like he had to when he didn't have the help of Damian Lillard alongside him and again, just a ridiculously efficient season from Giannis. As you mentioned, you know, still at the peak of his powers and, you know, maybe not winning back-to-back MVPs right now like he was a few years ago, but none of that is due to anything on his end. You know, it's just him sort of continuing to be in a league with a lot of incredible stars around him, but the incredible efficiency that Giannis has put together this season is truly something to behold genuinely record breaking and you know with Giannis and the Bucks again it's been a very sort of rocky bit of the season since Doc Rivers became the head coach and you know the situation with Adrian Griffin being fired 53 games into his first season as coach is certainly a bit of a surprise as you know someone who's a bit of an outsider in terms of the Bucks front office and those sorts of dealings but Again, Giannis has been the calm throughout the storm that has been this buck season, and him continuing to average 30 points a game, but increasing his efficiency even further when he was already, you know, one of the league's most efficient players, it's it's something to behold. And, you know, Giannis at the peak of his powers is always an incredible watch, and hopefully he'll remain at this kind of level for a long time to come.
4: Absolutely, and his story just... Going from Greece, coming over to America and landing in Milwaukee is just amazing. And since he's been in America, been with the Milwaukee Bucks, he's had a great career. And I think the best is yet to come for Giannis Antetokounmpo making another All-Star appearance. This is his eighth All-Star selection. The other forward, one of my favorites in the league, Jason Tatum representing the Boston Celtics. This is going to be his fifth All-Star appearance. Jason just continues to get better year in and year out. Talent, I mean, just phenomenal. Boston, they know how to pick their talent. Give me your thoughts on Jason making another all star team.
1: Yes, Boston definitely knows how to pick their talent. I mean, they're 43 and 12 right now for a reason, and the biggest of those reasons continues to be Jason Tatum. I mean, he's someone who, you know, we've seen as sort of one of the stars of the league for quite a long time now, but. You know, it is almost difficult to remember just how good he was, how quickly. And he's certainly someone who I learned a lot from as sort of a draft evaluator about, you know, the kinds of things that are most important in evaluating players. I was not anywhere near as high on Jason Tatum as I should have been coming out of the draft, and I'd like to think that I've learned from that. But, I mean, from day one in the league, you know, competing for a Rookie of the Year award with the Celtics in year one, you know, making conference finals, being an All-Star in year three, being an All-NBA player in year three, making the All-NBA first team each of the last two years, you know, earning MVP votes down ballot, but increasingly working his way up that MVP ballot as his career goes along. This Celtics team has been an absolute juggernaut this season, and again, Jason Tatum is really the the leader of that team, you know, both in terms of sort of his talent, but you know, also the way that he's continued to up his game, you know, Continue to get better as a playmaker over the course of his career. That's been a really great development to see from him. And, you know, yet again, another very much deserved all-star selection from Jason Tatum. And, again, you know, someone who is going to be starting in these all-star games for quite a while to come.
4: Absolutely, and the best is going to get better. Jason Tatum. Just turned 25, so he is definitely, I don't think he's even hit his prime yet, and certainly the best is definitely yet to come for Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics, making his fifth All-Star appearance. And at the center position, he will not be participating in this year's All-Star game due to an injury, but if Joel Embiid had not gotten hurt, I think Joel had an opportunity to win back-to-back MVPs. He may have a chance, but we'll have to see, pending with Giannis and Jason and, of course, with uh, Nikola Jokic. But Joel B. wow, another all-star selection representing the Philadelphia 76ers. This is his seventh all-star appearance. Your thoughts on Joel making the team?
1: I mean, he was always going to make the team. I think it's obviously really unfortunate that, yet again, he's struggling with injuries. I mean, That was the story of the first couple of years of his career, of course, where, you know, famously he missed the first two years of his career after being drafted by the Sixers with a, you know, various injuries, with really a foot injury in particular. But, you know, ever since that moment, he's just been one of the clear best players in the NBA every time he steps on the court. I mean, he averaged 20 points a game during his truncated rookie season. He was an all-star in year two and with Joel indeed, essentially, if he's able to, you know, play enough games to sort of n- make it into qualification for All-Star or things of that nature, he's always going to be one of the leading candidates. And, you know, it definitely seems, unfortunately, like he will not be able to sort of put his name into the hat for challenging again for the MVP, especially, you know, given the new um, missed games-related thresholds that they've put into place this year for the first time where you have to play, I believe it's, 65 games to be eligible for any of the end-of-year awards, so Joel is wasn't going to meet that threshold, unfortunately, due to his injury, but just another absolutely spectacular season from him. I mean, in many ways, his best season yet, you know, pretty close to career highs in three-point shooting, obviously his career-high, ridiculous 35 points a game, you know, continuing to be the driving force of a Sixers team that's on the way up. He had his, you know, 70-point game, of course, also earlier this season. He's a spectacular player, and as always, it's really unfortunate to see injuries be the story for him, but, I mean, from my perspective, it's just been so wonderful to see the success that he had when he finally was able to overcome that injury bug that haunted him so aggressively during the first couple years of his career, and... You know, as an NBA fan, certainly as a Sixers fan, you have to hope that this isn't something that sticks with him. But even as an NBA fan, you know, you want this to be the kind of thing where, you know, it's a meniscus injury, and you hope that it's something that you know he can have the repair, come back, and be fully himself again. Because it's really sad when the story of Joel Embiid is injuries. Because when he is healthy, which you know he mostly has been over the past five, six seasons, he's just one of the absolute most fun players in the NBA to watch. So, sad that you won't be able to be there for this all-star game, but a very deserved selection, of course.
4: Absolutely, and Joel Embiid is definitely one of those players that is just hitting his prime, and certainly he means so much, not just to the Philadelphia 76ers, but to the whole NBA as well. And as you said, Nick, it's tough for him not to participate in this year's game due to injury, but when he comes back, he's definitely going to attack with a vengeance. And that takes care of our starters for the Eastern Conference. The guards, Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard. The forwards, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jason Tatum. And the center is Joel Embiid. All right, let's get to the reserves now. So let's start off at the guard position. I think this is long overdue and well-deserved. Jalen Brunson making his first all-star team, representing the New York Knicks. You know, Nick, we saw the talent during his time with the Dallas Mavericks. But the New York Knicks have been one of those surging teams in the first half of the year. And Jalen Brunson, man, he's definitely a candidate, knock on wood if all goes well, is an MVP candidate this year. Give me your thoughts on Jalen making his first All-Star team.
1: Man, his breakout with the Knicks has been truly spectacular to watch. And, you know, as you mentioned, he's someone who has been a, you know, rising star in the league for quite a while now. I mean, you know, going from being a second-round pick to cementing himself with the Dallas Mavericks almost immediately. I mean, starting more than half his games his rookie year, you know, having a really solid, you know, six-man contending season in year three in Dallas, and since he's been traded to the Knicks, he has really just taken the reins of that team. And, you know, having grown up in New York, I know it's a city that loves its point guards and that loves its, you know, tough, gritty, hard-nosed players, and that is Jalen Brunson to a T. And, I mean, he was spectacular for the Knicks in the playoffs last season, and he's really continued to bring that over into this year. And, you know, last year he was sort of on, you very close but didn't quite make the All-Star game. This year he was a no-doubt selection for the Knicks, just having a spectacular year, I mean, just under 28 points a game on really efficient 48-41-84 shooting splits, you know, continuing to move the ball around, you know, him and Julius Randle doing a lot of playmaking for this New York Knicks squad. And, man, it's it's very clear that, you know, it's a city that loves – New York is a city that loves Jalen Brunson, and, you know, he's someone who has come in, cemented himself almost immediately as – essentially the point guard that the Knicks have been looking for since Jeremy Lin had his Lin Sanity breakout. I mean, other than that, it's been a rocky road for Nick point guards, and Jalen Brunson has almost made that a thing of the past essentially immediately, and I highly doubt, especially if he continues to, you know, be the lead guy for the Knicks, I highly doubt that this is his last all-star selection.
4: I highly doubt that, too, Nick, and certainly well deserving as you mentioned about New York, they love their basketball, and they love that gritty tough play and they love their point guards and certainly Jalen Brunson is certainly one of those people responsible for the resurgence of the New York Knicks in the first half of the year and again Jalen Brunson makes his first all-star team make as a member of the New York Knicks let's stay with the guards for a moment and making his first all-star team representing the Philadelphia 76ers Tyrese Maxey Tyrese had a breakout year last year of course his teammate Joel Embiid won the league MVP last year. But we saw Tyrese Maxey really step his game, take his game to another notch. And this year he has been phenomenal, well-deserved selection for Tyrese. Your thoughts on Tyrese making the team?
1: Yeah, this is one that I think was, has been quite a while in the making at this point. I mean, as you mentioned last year, he really had his breakout year. But even the year before, I mean, he went from, you know, being – a very important rotational player as a rookie to being a starter and a key starter for the Sixers in year two. So, you know, him getting to the All-Star game in year four is really just a continuation of what we've seen from him the last three seasons. But, you know, again, as you mentioned, he really did, you know, have a breakout last year, clear the 20-point game threshold, and, you know, help the 76ers team to, you know, their sort of – through their sort of playoff uh, run, as it were, even though it wasn't as long as they might have liked. I mean, Tyrese Maxey has been sort of a breakout player candidate for quite a bit now, and he's had to shoulder a lot more of the offensive responsibility this year, even when Joel Embiid was in the picture, and certainly with Joel Embiid out of the picture for the rest of the season, it seems like Tyrese is trying to, you know, make an end-of-the-season run, maybe even make an end-of-the-season run at one of the All-NBA teams, but even if he doesn't, quite reach those heights, it's another very key step in his development to sort of reach the all-star threshold like he has this year. And, you know, again, much deserved. He's had a fantastic year, and certainly there's a lot more to come from him this season as a primary guy for the Philadelphia 76ers, but once again, I mean, a player absolutely on the rise, and at only 23 years old, he's really put himself on an incredible trajectory at this point in his young career.
4: You're absolutely right, Nick, and Tyrese Maxey is certainly someone that fits the Philadelphia 76ers model, kind of like a hand in glove, so to speak, and he's definitely, like you said two years ago, could have gone to an all-star team or could have played in one last year, but definitely deserving of it. So Tyrese Maxey of the Philadelphia 76ers goes to his first all-star team. We stay with the guards again, and Donovan Mitchell, a.k.a. Spider, representing the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is his fifth All-Star selection, and Donovan, again, you talk about one of the most high-profile players in the league, one of the most high-impact players in the league. He still has that energy. He fits that Cavaliers team so well, and Donovan, he did it in Utah, and he's continuing to do it in Cleveland. Your thoughts on Donovan making another All-Star team?
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised at all that Donovan Mitchell made another all-star team. He's in the middle of a spectacular season, and I think a season that's gone under the radar a little bit in that people have, I think, not realized just how ridiculously good the Cleveland Cavaliers have been since the start of 2024. I mean, on January 1st, they were 18-15 and after losing to the Toronto Raptors. Since then, they have lost two games. They've gone 18-2 and since January 1st, and... A lot of that is that Evan Mobley and Darius Garland came back from their injuries, but this Cavaliers team was doing spectacularly well, even with Garland and Mobley on the shelf. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell is the guy who made the all-star team. He's the offensive leader, of course, for that Cavaliers squad. Certainly Jared Allen, who, you know, made an all-star game last year and has been the rock for the Cavaliers defensively, especially with Evan Mobley out. I mean, you know, it's not a surprise at all to see Donovan there. It's almost, you know, a matter of, I'm a bit surprised that the Cavaliers only had one All-Star, just given how spectacular they've been since the start of the season. Of course, when you talk about, you know, having this guy who's, quote-unquote, a snub for a team, you have to sort of talk about, okay, who would he replace on this squad, and that's a very difficult conversation always, but it's a especially difficult conversation, just given how loaded the All-Star rosters are in both conferences this season, but With Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he's been the offensive leader for this Cavaliers squad that, again, has been just truly spectacular since the start of the new year. And, I mean, you know, they're making a charge of potentially being a title contender at this point, especially given that even though the Celtics have been ridiculously good, the Cavaliers have been the best team in the NBA since the start of January. And Donovan Mitchell, of course, has been a huge part of that.
4: You're absolutely right about that, Nick. I mean, as far as Cleveland is concerned, they've been swept under the rug this year. They've done everything quietly but efficiently. I mean, they're so good on the defensive side and on the rebounding side with Jared Allen and, of course, you mentioned with uh, Darius Garland. But Donovan Mitchell is really the spark of that team, and he gives them that offensive firepower, as you stated. They've got a chance to challenge Boston. It could possibly be an Eastern Conference Finals matchup unless the Knicks or the 76ers or even Milwaukee may have something to say about that, but in the meantime, uh, Donovan Mitchell is selected to another All-Star team. we got to get to the forwards now. Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics. This is going to be his third All-Star selection. Jalen... Has been quiet. Um, has been making a quiet presence. He's an MVP candidate this year. He had a solid first half of the year. His teammate Jason Tatum, we know what he's all about. But Jalen was rewarded in the off this past offseason with a massive contract extension, and so far so good. He's looked up to it. This is his third All Star selection. Your thoughts on Jalen?
1: I mean. You know, Jason Tatum is sort of the first name that people think of when they think of the Boston Celtics. But, you know, for me, it's always been the tandem of the two of them. And it's been one of the most successful experiments of the last five years of the NBA and one that a lot of other teams have started to build around and learn from in that, you know, having two superstar wings who can do everything on both ends of the floor is a way to turn your team into... You know, something that's pretty much impossible to guard when you have, you know, two six, seven, six, eight guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, running the show, you know, cutting in off the wing, spotting up from three-point range, you know, getting out in transition. It's spectacular what the two of them can do together. And, you know, Jalen Brown maybe doesn't get quite as much accolade, quite as many accolades as he should for, you know, being the clear number two guy but a huge part of unlocking the number one guy in Jason Tatum in that you know you only have one best wing defender on your team and you know even if you have two spectacular wing defenders someone's going to have a mismatch between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown has done a great job of exploiting those mismatches all season he's continued to make massive strides as a playmaker I mean He's someone who struggled mightily with his handle his first couple years in the NBA, and the growth he's undergone since then has been nothing short of spectacular to watch. I mean, he's someone who deservingly was on most improved player ballots twice during his career because he made such a huge leap from his rookie year to his sophomore year, and then another gigantic leap from year three to year four, and then year five, of course, was his first all-star appearance. I mean, Jalen Brown is someone who has just beaten every sort of developmental expectation of someone who had the weaknesses he did in his college game, and, you know, he's someone who's made himself into one of the best players in the NBA, and someone who, when you combine him with someone like Jason Tatum on the wing, it's pretty much impossible to to stop, and it's a reason that the Celtics have been, you know, near the top of the Eastern Conference for quite a while now, and it's a reason that you see other teams, like most notably the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, trying to go with these sort of two-wing superstar models that people used to think wouldn't work when you had two guys filling sort of similar roles on a team, and the Boston Celtics have proven that to be untrue beyond a shadow of doubt.
4: You're absolutely right about that. Nick, Boston has been able to prove everyone wrong with making it work with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and as Jalen makes another all-star team. And uh, let's stay with the forwards for a moment. Paolo Banquero, you talk about one of the rising stars in the NBA last year's NBA Rookie of the Year, representing the Orlando Magic, makes his first all-star team. Orlando has been a, a quiet surprise in the first half of the year. a lot of young talent on that team, and it's being represented by Paolo. Give me your thoughts on him making his first all-star team.
1: It's not surprising. I mean, he's been absolutely spectacular for the Magic once again this season. You know, again, he just sort of hit the floor running with his rookie year. I mean, it's rare in this day and age in the MVP to uh, in the NBA to see someone you know average twenty points a game as a rookie. And Paolo did that and didn't even seem that difficult for him scoring wise. And this year, I mean, he's taken a real step forward with his shot, which I think is. A huge factor to his game, but a particularly huge factor to his game in the context of this Orlando Magic team that really, really struggles to shoot the three balls. You know, Paula making improvement on that front is huge for his development and huge for the team. He's also been the primary playmaker for the team basically since he joined the Orlando Magic, but he's really taken another step forward in that regard this season. You know, not just being able to use his incredible bully ball game and, you know, mid-range efficiency to put the ball in the bucket himself, but also you know, he's always been someone who's done a good job of getting his teammates involved, but him taking another step forward on that front this season is huge, especially given that the Magic have quite a few sort of point guard-sized players, but, you know, not necessarily someone who is, quote-unquote, a traditional point guard, other than Mark Fultz, who's missed the vast majority of the season for them with injury. I mean, Paolo Banchero has been a huge rock for this Orlando Magic squad, and, you know, they've struggled a bit since the start of the new year, but... This is still a Magic team that is a clear play-in contender. And, I mean, given how long this team has sort of been in the NBA wilderness, you know, Paulo Banquero really managed to turn that ship around quickly. And certainly it seems like they're on track to at least compete for their first playoff since the 2019-2020 season.
4: The best is definitely going to get better, and certainly the future is bright for Paulo Banquero, making his first all-star team. He's a member of the Orlando Magic. All right, let's stay with the forwards now. When you mentioned his name earlier, he represents the New York Knicks, Julius Randle. Unfortunately, he will not be playing in this year's All-Star game due to injury, but Julius is making his third All-Star appearance. And before the injury, him and Jalen Brunson, while you talk about a one-two punch in New York with the resurgence of the Knicks, Julius Randle. You talk about one of the best big men in the league that can shoot the long-range jumper, can knock down the three-pointers. Julius Randle is one of them. Even though he won't be able to play due to injury, but give me your thoughts on Julius making another all-star team.
1: It's interesting. I mean, Julius, particularly two years ago when he really struggled, you know, lost a lot of, I think, momentum is the right word within the Knicks fandom. I mean, you know, again, the... New York fans, you know, and I say this as someone who's born and raised there, are very passionate about their basketball, also very passionate when players don't sort of live up to the standards that Knicks fans might have for them, and Julius got a lot of flack for the 2021-22 season when he really struggled with his shot, you know, was not at his best efficiency-wise, and the Knicks sort of struggled in tandem with that. He's right, he righted the ship last year, you know, made an All-NBA team, made an All-Star appearance, and has sort of continued down that road this year. The two-man game between him and Jalen Brunson is always a joy to watch. And, you know, again, as you mentioned, this Knicks squad is really transformed by Jalen Brunson. But a lot of credit has to go to Julius Randle, who was sort of, you know, the first pillar of the new version of the New York Knicks. And, you know, they became, you know, more of a contender, you know, with um, Jalen Brunson running the show. But, You have to remember that Julius Randle was the guy who was there first, and the 2020-2021 New York Knicks team that made the playoff, you know, Julius Randle was the alpha and the omega for that team, and it seemed like Knicks fans, you know, got annoyed with sort of the holes in his game relatively quickly once he had a down season the year after that, but the two-man game between him and Jalen Brunson is spectacular, and, you know, this Knicks squad is one that, again, as you mentioned, you know, is really among the sort of top tier in the Eastern Conference in a way that they have not been for a very, very long time. And a lot of the credit for that deservedly goes to Jalen Brunson, but, you know, next fans should take care to remember that Julius Randle was really the, team, the guy that brought the team back from, you know, the sort of mire at the bottom of the standings that they were in for a very, very long time. And Jalen Brunson might have kicked it into another gear, but you have to remember that Julius Randle was the, the guy who was the pillar there first.
4: You're absolutely right. And as you we talk about the resurgence of the New York Knicks, it's always fun when you have Los Angeles winning, but when New York is winning, it's another element when you have New York and LA doing very well. And especially when you have not only New York and LA and several other big markets, but when you have small market teams as well, the NBA is just a great parody. It makes for a great league and it's nice to see the resurgence of the Knicks and Julius Randle uh, doing his thing. He won't be able to play due to injury, but he's selected to another all-star team. Let's talk about our center now, Bam Adebayo, representing the Miami Heat. This is his third all-star appearance. We know Bam for basically doing the dirty work for Miami, getting the points in the paint, defense, rebounding, that's what you get out of Bam, and he's been one of the shining stars on the defensive and the rebounding side in the league. Your thoughts on Bam making another all-star team?
1: This has been a very odd season for the Miami Heat, but the one real constant that they've had through all the sort of weirdness of this season has been Bam Adebayo in the middle, and I mean, you mentioned it. You know, he does all the dirty work for this Heat team. He's, you know, a twenty and ten guy, but also someone who does a huge share of the playmaking for this Heat squad. I mean, you know, running actions with Bam Adebayo at the top of the key. You know, sort of high low actions. You know, Bam passing out of the post. He's someone who is a huge cog in keeping the Heat offense running and. You know, again, it's the kind of thing where, given just how much of the dirty work he does on both ends of the floor, you almost don't expect him to be a 20 point a game scorer, but he can get his, you know, around the basket as well. And again, this has been a very odd sort of up and down season for the Miami Heat. They've really had two sort of constants, one of whom I know we're going to talk about in another section later, but Ben Adebayo has been the rock for this Heat team for quite a while now, and he's once again been that this season. You know, they've been a team that has. Forged their identity on the defensive end of the floor for a long time now, and Bam Adebayo is the leader of that Miami Heat defense. So, not a surprise at all to see him in another all-star game. Very well-deserved selection from Bam Adebayo.
4: Absolutely, and Bam was definitely a force falling short in last year's NBA Finals to the Denver Nuggets, but Bam has definitely made his presence felt in the first half of the year as he makes another all-star team. All right, let's get to the guards, back to our guards now, and Trey Young a.k.a. Ice Trey. I mean, what can you say about Trey, one of the the top shooters in the league representing the Atlanta Hawks? This is his third All-Star appearance. And, again, he's replacing Joel Embiid in this year's All-Star game. Give me your thoughts on Trey making another All-Star team.
1: It's funny because the Trey Young situation is, you know, despite the fact that they couldn't be more different as players, it's actually very similar in my mind to the Bam Adebayo situation, you know. There's more talent around Bam in Miami, certainly, but Trey Young has been the rock for this Hawks squad that's had a lot of chaos this season, and, you know, again, he's someone who, he struggled a bit to start the year, and I think a lot of people clung to that after he started to heat up following that cold sort of October-November stretch, but, I mean, you know, one of the most spectacular playmakers in basketball, his ability to Playing the ball over, all over the court, you know, not just make the right reads and make good passes, but make the sort of highlight reel plays that only a handful of guys in the NBA can make at all. And you know, Trey is also obviously famous for his, you know, ridiculously long range three point attempts, being willing to pull up in the parking lot. But he's someone who is just an offensive force unto himself. And it was a bit surprising that he wasn't selected before the injury replacements came along, but. He was clearly going to be one of the injury replacements once it got down to that point in the sort of situation with the all-star rosters and, you know, very well deserved selection for a team that, you know, is currently in a play-in spot and without Trey Young would be very near the top of the lottery given just how much payoff there is on the rest of the roster. Trey Young has done a spectacular job to hold it together to the degree that he has. I mean, again, you know, this is a situation that without Trey Young, they might be, you know, competing with the Detroits and Washingtons and Charlottes and San Antonis of the world for teams at the bottom of the NBA standings. Instead, they're still clinging to a play-in contention spot almost exclusively due to Trey on spectacular play this year.
4: Rightfully so, and as you said, Trey has been one of the few bright spots on the Atlanta Hawks team, so Trey Young makes another all-star team. And then finally, we have our forward, Scotty Barnes, representing the Toronto Raptors, making his first all-star team. Scotty is one of the rising stars in the league for a team that went through some growing pains the last couple of years, as recent as them trading one of their... Great talent, Pascal Siakam, to the Indiana Pacers. So Toronto, the last couple of years, they've gone through growing pains, trading their top players with um, losing Fred Van Vliet, the free agency. He's with the Houston Rockets. And then with Siakam being traded to the Indiana Pacers, Mark Gasol retires. So this is a team that's definitely been in transition the last couple of years. But Scotty Barnes, one of the few consistency, consistent players for the Raptors, Give me your thoughts on Scotty making the team. He's replacing uh, Julius Randle.
1: Scotty Barnes is someone who is living proof of one of the biggest adages of NBA draft coverage, which is development isn't linear. And Scotty Barnes, you know, in a way had a sort of come-from-behind Rookie of the Year award victory when, you know, Evan Mobley was sort of the lead guy in the Rookie of the Year clubhouse for the vast majority of the season until Scotty Barnes had a red-hot March and April. And then... You know, his sophomore season in the NBA, he essentially just did everything he did his rookie year except slightly worse. I mean, his assist numbers did a step forward, but, you know, really other than just pure assist numbers, he, you know, had appeared to sort of be stuck in place after his, you know, rookie of the year award victory. And this year, you know, year three, he has taken a massive step forward, which, you know, is encouraging for any young player, obviously, but particularly encouraging given that, you know he hadn't quite appeared to make a dramatic step forward in year 2 and you know that's why it's important to emphasize that development isn't linear i mean his three point shooting has been a revelation this year you know he's put up five three point games five three point attempts a game and hit 35% of them and that's you know after a pretty tough couple of games recently when it comes to his three point shooting i mean he was closer to the 37% mark for much of the year and him going from being essentially a non-shooter to being average from three-point range has done so much to unlock the rest of his game. You know, of course, he's taken on the primary playmaking responsibilities with Kyle Lowry no longer in the picture and now has an even larger role in this Toronto roster with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam both being traded. You know, it's pretty clear that this Toronto Raptors team has, after a long time of sort of hanging on, have finally decided to sort of go all in on the rebuild and clearly the shining star of that rebuild is going to be Scotty Barnes. I mean, you know, only 22 years old, making an all-star game in his third season in the NBA and taking such a huge step forward after essentially seeming like he was stuck in place last year. You know, it's proof that development isn't linear, but also it's proof that, you know, Scotty Barnes has put in the work to, you know, be someone who didn't just sort of, you know, win rookie of the year and sit on his laurels. He's made huge strides forward in his game this year and, It's been a lost year for the Toronto Raptors, and certainly it seems like they're going to be in a rebuilding phase for at least the next couple of years, but they do have the rock. They do have the anchor of that rebuild, and that is Scotty Barnes, and he'll continue to improve certainly for years to come.
4: Rightfully so, Toronto's getting younger, and you're right, Nick, they're going to continue to rebuild, and certainly um, Scotty Barnes is really at the helm and is going to be the anchor of that team as he's selected to his first all-star team. And we have our head coach of the Eastern Conference representing the Milwaukee Bucks, Doc Rivers. What an interesting year it's been for him. So he becomes one of the play-by-play announcers for a popular network for their NBA coverage. Let's just say that he was there long enough to uh, get a cup of coffee and a pastry, and then all of a sudden the whole Adrian Griffin situation comes about, which is very um, strange to me, so to speak. So he, Adrian's let go, and now Doc becomes the head coach of the Bucks. Your thoughts on Doc becoming the head coach of the Eastern Conference?
1: It is a fascinating quirk of the way that the head coach of the All-Star Game works. I mean, it going to the coach of the leading team in the conference, but then sort of being passed down the line if that guy was the coach last year. You know, obviously Joe Missoula is not repeating as the coach of the Eastern Conference at the All-Star Game. And so instead, the coach of the Eastern Conference at the All-Star Game is someone who's been there quite a few times before in Doc Rivers, but also someone who has gone 3-7 and seven during his coaching tenure with the Milwaukee Bucks after you know, the guy that he replaced went 30-13 and 13 in his first year as a coach, and the interim in between that, Joe Crumty, won two of his three games. It's been an odd situation in Milwaukee, honestly, all year. I mean, since the sort of rumblings in the preseason and the Terry Stocks abruptly leaving the team after being the associate head coach. it's It's been a weird sort of rocky up-and-down year in Milwaukee and a very strange situation for Doc Rivers to, as you mentioned, you know, spend a few months announcing and then sort of be dragged into the Milwaukee Bucks situation and not exactly writing the ship to start off his coaching tenure in Milwaukee, but certainly someone who's been head coach in the NBA for a long time, you know, not someone who's a stranger to the all-star game sidelines either, you know, as a player or as a coach, right? But it's odd for him to sort of walk into this Bucks situation, struggle out of the gate, and then immediately be the Eastern Conference all-star coach, but That is, you know, one of the more fascinating quirks I've seen of the way that the All-Star Game coach is selected.
4: All right, so it's official. So Doc Rivers is the head coach of the Eastern Conference. He represents the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's our Eastern Conference All-Stars. Now let's get to the Western Conference All-Stars. And the East, talented roster, especially the starters. But, man, the starters on the Western Conference, hey, this is phenomenal. Let's start off with our guards. Luka Doncic representing the Dallas Mavericks. This is going to be his fifth All-Star game. And what can you say about Luka just entering his prime powers right now? One of the best offensive players in the NBA. Again, one a part of the wave and a part of the explosion of the international players. He represents Slovenia. Give me your thoughts on Luka making another All-Star team.
1: Once again, it's not a surprise. I mean, Luka Doncic established himself in the NBA almost immediately and has been an all-star mainstay since um, since year two in the NBA after winning Rookie of the Year in year one. And, you know, I mentioned with Paulo how rare it is to average 20 points a game as a rookie. Well, Luka Doncic did that in his Rookie of the Year award-winning rookie season. And, you know, since then, he's been an MVP candidate. He's made NBA, uh, all-NBA first team each of the last four seasons seem on track to do that again. I mean, with Joel Embiid not playing enough games with his 35-point-a-game average, it seems like a given at this point that Luka Doncic is going to end the season as the NBA scoring leader, which, given everything he does as a playmaker, is truly astounding. I mean, the fact that, you know, again, this is year two of him being a a 30-point-a-game scorer, He's taken a huge step forward in terms of his three-point efficiency, you know, him getting to 38% from three-point range while also upping his volume from three-point range. I mean, it's something that, you know, that was really the one weakness of his game earlier on in his career, that and, you know, he wasn't a spectacular free-throw shooter, but you know, this is offensive weaknesses. I mean, defense is another story, but, you know, I think he doesn't get quite as much credit as he should on the defensive end, but you know, going back to the offensive end, I mean, one of the most spectacular playmaker scorers we've ever seen in the NBA, and, you know, him being on track to be the league's leading scorer while also having an outside chance at averaging 10 assists per game, it's truly incredible, and, you know, he's someone who, you know, since day one in the league has made his teammates better, and not surprised at all to see him starting another All-Star game, and certainly someone who's, clearly one of the future stars of the NBA, and doesn't even need to be a future star because he's been one of the stars of the NBA for quite a while now.
4: Absolutely, and the best is indeed going to get better as Luka Doncic makes another all-star team. Our other guard now, this gentleman represents being one of the rising stars in the NBA, and again, another crop of talent coming from north of the border in Canada. Shay Gillis alexander representing the young and very vibrant Oklahoma City Thunder. This is his second All-Star appearance. Give me your thoughts on Shay making another All-Star team.
1: So my Kings Weekly co-host Ray LeBeau likes to refer to the Oklahoma City Thunder situation going into any given game as pretty simple in that we have Shay Gillis alexander and you don't. He's someone who is virtually impossible to guard. I mean, his handle, you know, his ability to sort of snake his way through small spaces, his ability to take advantage of every single momentary lapse in the defense. He's absolutely spectacular as a finisher around the basket, and it's always a mistake to foul him because he's averaging, you know, he's shooting 88% from the free throw line, but, you know, teams have to foul him because otherwise he's going to get to the rim and score every time. And, you know, him knocking down his free throws at a ridiculous rate while averaging nine of them a game is something to behold. He's also taken a massive step forward on the defensive end, you know, the last couple years, but really this year has been, you know, huge for him on that end. I mean, he's currently leading the NBA in steals per game, which is not something that, you know, I would have expected based on either his college numbers or his early season numbers. But, you know, he's someone who's really made a point of getting into passing lanes more this season, of ripping the ball from guys when he's, you know, on ball. And, again, I mean, he's someone who... You know, from year one with the L.A. Clippers, it was pretty clear that he was going to be a star eventually, but, man, I mean, as soon as he got to OKC, he hit the ground running, and this year, year two of him being a a 30-point-a-game scorer, just absolutely unstoppable, and, you know, this Thunder team, you know, they had a bit of a breakout last year, but really this has been the year, and, you know, it kind of seemed like it would be anyway, just given that Chet Holmgren missed all of last season with his list rank injury, but, You know, with Chet in the fold, with Jalen Williams taking another step forward, you know, with Kayson Wallace added to the team as someone who's been an incredibly important rotational player for them, you know, this Thunder team is taking a massive leap forward to being one of the contenders in the Western conference, but all of that starts with Shea Gildas alexander who's been, you know, the shining star for this Thunder team basically since he was traded there, but... Now that he's got a bit more of a star setting cast around him, this Thunder team once again looks to be one of the, you know, top teams in the NBA, and Shea Gilgis Alexander is the start of all of that.
4: You're absolutely right, and he is perfect for that Thunder team. Very young, a team that's on the rise, and Shea, Gil- Shea Gilgis Alexander is a rising star as he represents the Oklahoma City Thunder, making his second all-star team. Let's go to the forwards now and a future Hall of Famer representing the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant. This is his 14th All-Star appearance. You talk about someone that's been one of the best scorers in the NBA, someone who's been an efficient defender, and somebody just continues to play at a high level. Kevin Durant, your thoughts on KD making another All-Star team? So
1: the... Suns have not been as truly absurd as the Cleveland Cavaliers since the start of 2024, but they're essentially next on the list. I mean, you know, on the morning of January 1st, this team was 17 and 15, and now they're 33 and 22. They've cemented themselves in one of the, you know, non-play-in spots, currently sitting at 6th in the Western Conference, and they're a team that, you know, Bradley Beal missed a ton of time with injury. They took a lot of time to gel early in the season, but Kevin Durant has, you know, as he has been for many of his teams that he's been on throughout his NBA career, he's been a rock for this Sun squad, and, you know, this is a team that doesn't really have a traditional point guard. They've had Devin Booker sort of running the point just, you know, out of need to have somebody there, but Kevin Durant's playmaking is, I think, something that's been really under-discussed throughout his NBA career, and that's been a huge part of the value that he's provided to the Phoenix Suns this season. But ultimately, when you're talking about Kevin Durant, you're talking about one of the greatest scorers in the history of the NBA. He's continued to be truly absurdly efficient. You know, 54, 44, 87 shooting splits, it's unheard of, especially for someone averaging 28 points a game. And, you know, again, with Kevin Durant, he's someone who – you know, at age 35, it's one of those things where you have to wonder how much longer he's going to be at this level. But, you know, as we've seen from him and as we've seen from LeBron, when you're a, you know, wing slash forward with that kind of size who can, you know, score in so many different ways, the aging curve for you is a lot slower than it is for some of the other players in the league. And, you know, injury always a factor, of course. And, you know, KD is someone who's actually come back from multiple injuries and still been, you know... At or near the top of the NBA game. So hopefully, we continue to see this version of Kevin Durant for a long time to come. I mean, NBA history would tell us that, you know, maybe he's only got a few more in him, but the last few years of NBA history tells us that, you know, some of the elite of the elite can really hang around at the top tier of the NBA for a long time, and Kevin Durant has already proven that, and hopefully, he'll continue to prove that for years to come.
4: I hope so, too. KD's been one of the best players in the NBA, and he just continues to continue to play at a high level and speaking of continuing to play at a high level it is 20th all-star selection at the forward position LeBron James from the Los Angeles Lakers. We talked about Kevin Durant continuing to play at a high level but LeBron year in and year out just continues to deliver representing the Los Angeles Lakers. Again this is his 20th all-star selection. Your thoughts on LeBron?
1: It's getting difficult to find anything to say about LeBron that hasn't been said before, but, you know, I'll do my best here. I mean, again, the, you know, in contention for the best player of all time, you know, certainly in anybody's top three when you talk about the best players in the history of the NBA, you know, he broke green Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record last season. He's about 300 points away from passing Hall of Famer Oscar Schmidt of Brazil for most points scored by any professional in any context. And Oscar Schmidt played professionally from 18 to 45. So, you know, LeBron's got a few years to go in terms of matching Oscar Schmidt's longevity and, you know, actual playing time on the court. But every scoring record that you can possibly think of LeBron James has at this point. And, you know, he's also someone who, you know, already has 10,000 assists, uh, 10,000 rebounds, you know, He's broken so many records at this point, and you know people have been wondering when the end of LeBron James as one of the best players in the NBA would be. Basically, you know, since his second stint in Cleveland, it's been, and even before that, you know, honestly, is like when is when is LeBron James going to stop being LeBron James? When is LeBron James going to stop being LeBron James? And the answer continues to be not yet. got have gotta keep waiting for it. And you know, it's funny because. This year is his lowest point per game average since his rookie year. He's still averaging 25 points a game, uh, you know, just under eight assists, just over seven rebounds a game. He's shooting his best three-point percentage since his, you know, third year in Miami. You know, he's close to eclipsing 40% from three-point range for the second time in his career, you know, continuing to evolve his game as he goes along. and I mean, he's someone who... You know, early on in his career, one of the knocks against him was that he just relied on his athleticism so much. Then he developed such a spectacular post game in Miami, and, you know, now he's continued to work on his jump shot to the point where that's, you know, a real weapon for him as well. It's, again, it's hard to say things about LeBron James that haven't been said, you know, many, 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 many times before, but as long as he continues to be one of the best players in the NBA and continues to cement his case for best player of all time, you know, Again, even if you don't think of him as the best player of all time, he's certainly someone who you have to think about in at or near the top of your list and him continuing to be just as dominant as he's been for yet another season. It's a joy to watch and it's one of those questions that makes you think you know, man, Father Time would tell us that at some point LeBron James has to stop being LeBron James, but hard to find any evidence of it yet.
4: You're right about that and I always say the best continues to get better. Well, the best continues to get better. We definitely have to enjoy a master at work in LeBron James because we don't know how many years we're going to have this, but he continues to push the envelope. And I don't think LeBron is done anytime soon by any stretch of the imagination. And so this is his 20th All-Star selection, LeBron James, representing the Los Angeles Lakers. And at the center position, representing the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic. Last year's NBA Finals MVP with the Denver Nuggets, also a two-time league MVP. This is his sixth All-Star selection. The Joker doing what he does best, right? I mean, again, another crop, another, uh, just a wave of talent, the international players representing Serbia. Your thoughts on Nikola making another All-Star team?
1: Again, not a surprising selection at all. I mean, Nikola Jokic has been, you know, honestly the best player in basketball over the last, you know, really three and a half seasons. And, you know, granted, he fell just short of winning his third consecutive regular season MVP last year, but I think he's perfectly happy with that finals MVP instead. I mean, you know, he's someone who has been, you know, one of the, I mean, he's one of the best passers we've ever seen at any position. Certainly I think at this point he's cemented himself pretty much indisputably as the best passing big man we've ever seen. And I mean he just continues to turn the game on his head and he just continues to be someone who's remarkably impossible to guard, you know, given his sort of physical attributes, but his ability to play the game at a speed that nobody else can find a way to match you know, his ability to throw guys off his rhythm his ability to create something out of nothing whether that is you know for his own offense or creating something out of nothing for his teammates again he's just so much fun to watch he's been one of if not the best players in the NBA for the past you know four seasons now and him being an all-star starter yet again is not a surprise i fully expect him to be in the running for MVP at the end of the season. He might even be a leader in the clubhouse at this point, although certainly, you know, Jason Tatum should get some credit in that race. And, of course, Shae Gilders alexander and Luka Doncic, too, who we've already talked about. But, you know, the idea with Nikola Jokic is just that, He's someone who makes the game look different for everybody around him, and almost always when that happens, it's him creating an advantage for his team that you wouldn't expect. I mean, he's also, you know, really taken huge steps forward as a defender since early on in his career. You know, he's never going to be an all-defensive team guy, but his ability to, you know, play the passing lanes incredibly well to use the strengths that he does have on defense, namely his massive size, to you know, at least be a deterrent around the basket. He's, again, you know, one of the best players in the NBA, very unsurprising that he's made yet another all-star appearance, and certainly he'll be one of the top candidates for what would be his third MVP award at the end of this season.
4: Nikola Jokic, man, what a player that he is. He represents the Denver Nuggets, making his sixth all-star team. All right, let's move over now to the reserves and with the guards. Devin Booker representing the Phoenix Suns. This is his fourth All-Star appearance. Him and KD, they're a great combination so far. Devin, one of the best shooters in the league, doing what he does best. And again, just a, a typical Devin Booker type year, racking up points, three-point percentage, field goal percentage, Any, everything you would ask out of him. Your thoughts on Devin making another All-Star team?
1: Yeah, I mean, Devin being one of the best shooters in the league has been something that's been the case for a long time. But something that I talked about quite a bit, mostly with Tyler Metcalf over at No Ceilings, but with basically everybody on the No Ceilings staff on the uh, No Ceilings NBA Deep Dive podcast. Little mid episode plug for you there. But with Devin Booker, he's someone who has really shown just how much you can do with player development and. Of course, the vast majority of the credit for that has to go to Devin Booker for the work that he's done on his own game, but, you know, he came into the league as someone who was very clearly a pure shooting guard, you know, someone who, okay, he can move the ball around if the situation calls for it, but, you know, on a whole host of terrible Phoenix Suns teams, you know, he got sort of dismissed as, oh, you know, he's just just putting up points on a bad team, just putting up points on a bad team, but you know, that's one thing. His ridiculous scoring ability from day one, you know, a lot of that got discredited due to, okay, somebody has to take the shot on this terrible Sun team, but what he didn't get enough credit for, and what I think is the most impressive part of Devin Booker's development is, you know, again, he went from a mostly off-ball scorer type of player to someone who could do a lot with the ball in his hands as a playmaker, and I mean, The fact that he's been the starting point guard, essentially, for the Phoenix Suns all year this year is a testament to the incredible amount of work that he's put in over the course of his now nine-year NBA career, and, you know, him going from, again, being an off-ball scorer type to slowly over the course of the first, you know, four or five years of his career, morphing into someone you'd trust as a playmaker with the ball in his hands, you know, it was huge for the Phoenix Suns at the time that he was undergoing that development, but... You know, now with the roster situation that they find themselves in this season, he's been able to comfortably step into the point guard role in a way that would have been almost impossible to imagine, you know, when he was starting out his NBA career.
4: Indeed, he is a pure shooting guard, Nick, and he earns another All-Star selection, Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns. Let's stay with the guards, and we talked about LeBron James being a master at work. Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors. He's been selected to his 10th all-star team. And what can you say about him, right? What can you say about Steph? A lot of people say the greatest shooter of all time. We've seen a lot of great shooters throughout the course of the NBA. But, man, Steph has just elevated it to another level, still getting it done, still playing at such a high level. I don't think he's going to hang it up anytime soon. Your thoughts on Steph making another all-star team?
1: No, he's definitely not going to be hanging it up anytime soon. And it's funny in that, you know, there are two teams that are in such different sort of situations and, you know, viewpoints from the sort of general NBA perspective. But this Golden State Warriors season is very similar to the Atlanta Hawks season. They're also tenth, you know, tenth in the West as opposed to tenth in the east. You know, much better record just, you know, given sort of where the wins and losses are concentrated in the Western Conference. But you know, again, they're a team that's on the fringe of being out of the play-in. And without Steph Curry being truly spectacular this season, they're, you know, probably one of the bottom lottery teams. And, you know, 28 points a game, you know, 46, 42, 92 shooting splits. I mean, you know, you mentioned him being, you know, having an argument for best shooter in NBA history. For me, that's a pretty open and shut case, honestly. I think it's very clearly Steph Curry. I mean, You know, 91% free throw shooting for his career, you know, NBA best free throw shooter. Obviously, he holds the record for most three pointers made and, you know, he's knocked them down at a 43% clip over the course of his career. Of course, you know, I talked earlier about Trey Young and his parking lot range. Well, Steph Curry was really the first guy who sort of revolutionized the NBA in terms of just pulling up from 30 plus feet if he was left open. And, you know, it forced teams to completely change how defense is played, honestly, just in terms of you know, having to pick Steph Curry up at half court is not something that you would see if you look at the NBA 15 years ago. And it's a testament to just how much Steph Curry has transformed the league. So, you know, once again, very deserved all-star selection for him. And he's been keeping the Golden State Warriors afloat this year. And, you know, hopefully they continue to at least stay in play-in contention because, you know, certainly as their rival up north, it's, you know, fun as a Sacramento Kings fan to have the Warriors be, you know, Good, but maybe not better than the Sacramento Kings. But, you know, Steph keeping this team afloat has been really the story of the Golden State Warriors season. And, again, you know, very much deserved all-star selection. Certainly don't expect him to, you know, be out of the all-star race anytime soon, but just continuing to push his lead forward in terms of, you know, the three-point shooting brilliance that he's put on over the course of his career.
4: I want to stay just talking about Steph for a moment before we go to the other All-Star Reserves. We know about the rivalry between Stephen Curry and LeBron James. There was recent news that there was the rumor mill about LeBron possibly being dealt at the trade deadline going to Golden State. Draymond Green and LeBron, they both are represented by Rich Paul at Clutch Sports. Draymond tried to make it happen, but... LeBron and Jeannie Buss and the Lakers said nothing was going to happen. LeBron didn't want, you know, LeBron was committed to being a Laker. Can you tell me how close we were to having possibly seen LeBron and Steph being teammates in Golden State?
1: Oh, man, that would have been truly something. And, you know, certainly a situation where both the Warriors and the Lakers are, you know, not quite where they want to be right now. And, you know, who knows what a blockbuster like that might have looked like. My sort of sense of it is that this was a long-shot sort of deal to figure out, but the fact that this deal was even under discussion, under consideration at all, I think says a lot, first of all, about bo- where both teams are, but, I mean, secondly, just, man, the two of them, I mean, you know, the two, Akron finest, right? <laughs> Seth Curry and LeBron James, uh, both born in Akron, Ohio, but... You know, the idea with a Steph Curry, LeBron James-led team is, you know, pretty much unstoppable no matter who they have around them. It would have been interesting to sort of figure out who the Golden State Warriors trade pieces would have been. I mean, presumably it would have been, you know, some combination of their young guys. You know, Jonathan Kaminga has had a really strong season. Brandon Pajemski has been a very impressive rookie for them. You know, probably some combination of the two of them, maybe Moses Moody as well, who's you know, had really strong moments for the Warriors this season despite being in and out of their rotation. It would have been interesting to try and put a deal together. I'm not quite sure how close it was to the finish line, but certainly, I mean, in terms of NBA hypotheticals, it's hard to think of a more fascinating situation than, you know, LeBron James and Steph Curry and what people think might be the twilight of their careers, you know, teaming up and taking on all comers. It would have been a fascinating situation to watch.
4: Yeah, that was definitely interesting, but I'm actually kind of glad it didn't happen. I think I currently like the rivalry between LeBron and Steph. I mean, it's been fun watching those two go up against one another. But, hey, it it could have happened, but it didn't happen. But, nevertheless, Steph Curry makes another all-star team. If this is his 10th all-star selection, he represents the Golden State Warriors. We have our other guard representing the Minnesota Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards. This is his second All-Star appearance. We talk about the rising stars in the NBA. Anthony Edwards is one of them, and he has been a mainstay, a consistent force for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Your thoughts on Anthony making another All-Star team?
1: It's not surprising at all that he made yet another all-star team. Really, the only surprising part, I think, has been that this Timberwolves squad has been the leader in the Western Conference all season. And, you know, certainly it seemed like last season there were a bit of growing pains with, you know, integrating Rudy Gobert into the lineup after that massive trade. But, I mean, in terms of the leader of this squad, Anthony Edwards came in and imposed himself as a force almost immediately, I mean... Almost one rookie of the year award, of course, but you know, since then he's made All Star game each of his last two seasons. You know, 26 points a game this season. He's taken huge steps forward on the defensive end as well, which is huge for a Timberwolves team that has built their identity on being the best defensive team in the NBA. And again, I don't think anybody would have expected the Minnesota Timberwolves to be the number one team in the Western Conference at this point in the season, but. You know, a huge part of that is due to Anthony Edwards, you know, coming in and being a star. A1 from day one, as he himself puts it in basically any interview you have have with him, you know, but he's someone who's, you know, clearly incredibly charismatic, a clear important leader for this Minnesota Timberwolves team, and definitely one of the faces of the NBA, you know, not even future faces. You know, this Timberwolves team has cemented themselves as the best team in the Western Conference at this point in the All-Star break, and Anthony Edwards is the face of that team, so, You know, despite him, you know, only being in year three, despite him being 22 years old, he's already one of the faces of the NBA. And I think it's a matter of when, not if, he earns a slot in the starting lineup as opposed to just coming off the bench for the All-Star game.
4: You're absolutely right about Anthony. And he is indeed a charismatic presence and definitely the star and the leader of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards, making his second All-Star team. We have our forwards now. Paul George from the Los Angeles Clippers making his ninth All-Star team. This is kind of like a homecoming for George. He began his career with the Indiana Pacers, had some really good seasons with them, then had the injury and then was dealt to OKC before heading, over, heading back west to the L.A. Clippers. But what a first half of the year it's been for the Clippers. The Clippers have been a dark horse for a long time. But Paul George always consistent. He makes another All-Star team. Your thoughts on Paul making another All Star team?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's he's been a rock for this Clippers squad for quite a while now. It is very interesting that he's going back to Indiana for this All Star game. He has some really insightful comments actually recently about you know sort of the situation in Indiana and you know, why he doesn't expect his number to be retired there just given how all of the Pacers' retired numbers are guys who stuck with the franchise either for the entirety of their careers or the vast majority of it. And Paul George didn't quite have that longevity with the team. But, I mean, if you talk about peak performance, you know, Paul George at the peak of his powers for the Pacers was one of the best players the Pacers have ever had. And that's a very storied franchise with a long history. But, I mean, we've talked about it before of, you know, the incredible sight to watch of a young Paul George, you know, taking on LeBron James for the you know, crown of the Eastern Conference. And, you know, Paul never quite managed to dethrone LeBron James, but for a long while he was really the only guy standing in LeBron's way. And you know, he's someone who has continued to you know, stick around in the NBA as one of the stars, you know, not quite the number one guy like he was for Indiana earlier in his career, but, I mean, you know, his stopped with OKC, you know, made, an off, made a couple All-Star games, you know, made an All-NBA first team, you know, com- contended for MVP one of those years, you know, coming to L.A., coming, you know, back home. I mean, he's from Palmdale, which is a couple hours up the road from where the Clippers play. You know, he's someone who has been one of the best forwards in the league for a long time and you know really the story with the Clippers this season has been that they've been healthy I mean you know Paul George you know he missed a few games with injury but he's played 50 of the 53 games for the Clippers I mean Kawhi Leonard itself is always a bit more of a struggle and we'll certainly get Kawhi in a minute but you know the two of them with James Harden they've been you know, spectacular since some early season sort of drawing pains with getting Harden, you know, integrated into the lineup. Since November 14th, this team is 33-10, and and, you know, Paul George has been a spectacular second star for a while now, and, you know, him sort of being number two slash number three with James Harden makes this Clippers team incredibly dangerous, and, you know, the Clippers as a whole, really their struggle for the last few seasons has been just can they stay healthy? Because when they're fully healthy, they are an absolute force, as you mentioned. And, you know, fingers crossed that it continues to stay that way because especially given that, you know, Paul George, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard are, you know, all over 30 at this point, it'll be interesting to see how long the window stays open for the Clippers, but this might be the best chance they have. And certainly Paul George being as consistent of a rock as he's been all season long has been a huge part of why the season has been such a roaring success for the Clippers so far.
4: Absolutely. In PG-13, Paul George makes another all-star team representing the Los Angeles Clippers. And let's stay with the Clippers at the other forward position. His teammate, Kawhi Leonard, representing the Los Angeles Clippers, makes his sixth all-star team. And Kawhi, what can you say about him? He says he's a fun guy, and he's proven to be a fun guy during this first half of the year, teaming up with PG-13. And Kawhi is... You know, when he's healthy, he's one of the best, and certainly he's proven that during the first half of the year. Your thoughts on Kawhi making another All-Star team?
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially with Kawhi Leonard, when he's healthy, he's going to make an All-Star team. He's going to compete for All-NBA honors. He's, you know, going to be one of the, you know, candidates for an All-Defensive team. You know, he's not quite the Defensive Player of the Year at this point in his career as he was in San Antonio, but you know, all of the story of Kawhi Leonard is just can he stay healthy? Because when he's healthy, he's pretty much indisputably one of the ten best players in the league. And I mean, him being the force that he's been for the Clippers this season—it's been you know wonderful to watch. And this has been the healthiest season that he's had in a while. And I I hate saying that out loud because it almost feels like I'm jinxing him in a way. But he's been very healthy this season, and that's been a huge part of why the Clippers are one of the top teams in the Western Conference. And I mean with Kawhi, just absolutely devastating in the mid-range, just can get to his shot whenever he wants it, can pull up and hit it over pretty much any defender, three-point threat as he's been since, you know, the very beginning of his NBA career, you know, his development of his shooting stroke was one of the most fascinating developmental stories I've ever seen, going from someone who was essentially a non-shooter entirely at San Diego State to being one of the most lethal three-point shooters in the NBA. And, this season, just, you know, ridiculous, 45% from three-point range on the five attempts per game, you know, continuing to, you know, be a huge part of the defensive game plan for the Clippers, and, you know, ceding a bit of playmaking responsibilities to James Harden, but still continuing to be someone who will always make the right decision with the ball in his hands. It's, you know, as you mentioned, he's been incredibly fun to watch, as he always is when he's healthy, and, again, not a surprising all-star selection at all, but, Always happy to see Kawhi Leonard on the All-Star roster because really it just means he's been healthy for enough of the year to be selected because when he's playing a healthy number of games, Kawhi Leonard is always going to be one of the best players in the league.
4: Absolutely. It's always fun watching the claw play when he's healthy, and Kawhi Leonard makes another All-Star team representing the Los Angeles Clippers. At the other forward position, you know, Nick, we talked about some of the best big men in the league that can shoot the long-range shot. Joel Embiid, Julius Randle, also Nikola Jokic, and we have Carl Anthony Towns representing the Minnesota Timberwolves. He makes his fourth All-Star team. Give me your thoughts on Carl Anthony making another team.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising, given that the Timberwolves are the number one team in the Western Conference, given that Carl Anthony Towns has had a really awesome season. I mean, It's interesting just because last year, again, you know, I mentioned the growing pains that the Timberwolves had earlier when talking about Anthony Edwards, but really Carl Anthony Pounds was sort of the hardest hit, I think is the best way of putting it, by the sort of change in situation necessitated by Rudy Gobert Trade, and this season he's back to being Carl Anthony Pounds. I mean, after a near career worst uh mark from three point range last season he's backed up to forty four percent from three point range, you know, twenty two and a half points a game, clear offensive leader for the team, but also, I mean, someone who earlier on in his career, Carl Anthony Towns, struggled mightily on the defensive end. And, you know, it was difficult to imagine him being in a context where he could be, you know, one of the leaders on a great defensive team and yet you know, here we are in year nine for Carl Anthony Towns, and he's, you know, one of the two all-stars on a Minnesota Timberwolves team that's number one in the Western Conference and number one in the NBA defensively, you know, in terms of defensive rating points allowed per game. So with Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, as a Sacramento Kings fan, you know, it's unfortunate that Demonis Sabonis didn't get the nod at center, but, you know, when you're talking about Carl Anthony Towns, it's hard to say that he didn't deserve an all-star selection given the way that he's been playing this year and given just how good the Minnesota Timberwolves has been. So, you know, again, there's sort of the Kings fan perspective that's a little bit sad that Demon Sabonis didn't get the nod here over Carl Anthony Towns, but it's hard to knock this election. Cat has had a spectacular season for the Timberwolves.
4: It wouldn't be right if we did have any uh, Sacramento Kings references. Shouts out to DeMontis Sabonis. <laughs> but uh, at the uh, forward position, uh, Carl Anthony Towns makes another all-star team representing the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then finally, at the center position for the reserves, we have Anthony Davis from the Los Angeles Lakers making his ninth all-star team. For the most part, Nick, this has been a, a healthy first half of the year for Anthony. Anthony had a couple of injuries, but overall, this has been one of his... I mean, best season so far, not just in terms of health, but really stepping up his game on the defensive side. Offensively, we know he's going to get it done, no surprise. Your thoughts on Anthony making another all-star team?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been an all-defensive team candidate for a while now. But, you know, I think part of the story with Anthony Edwards is, you know, uh, Anthony Davis, excuse me, goodness. Um, but, you know, part of the story with Anthony Davis is just that, you know, he went from being, you know, everything for the New Orleans Falcons teams that he was on earlier in his career to, you know, being able to, you know, not be the only guy, essentially, for a team, you know. It was interesting because there was sort of the conversation around, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James teaming up in Los Angeles where, you know, Anthony Davis was sort of seen as maybe taking the torch from LeBron. And it seems like LeBron wasn't quite ready to give up the torch just yet. But, you know, when you talk about Anthony Davis, again, it's a lot of it is a story of health. I mean, he, you know, played 36 games year two in L.A. Still maybe All-Star game because most of the time he missed was after the All-Star break. But, you know, year three in L.A., only played 40 games. And this year he's played almost every game for the Lakers, which, you know, if he clears the 70-game threshold, which he's on track to do right now, it would be the first time since the 2017-2018 season with the New Orleans Pelicans. So, you know, him being healthy has been a huge story. He's, you know, continued to, you know, struggle with his three-point shot, which is really the only hole that he has in his game at this point. But he's been a lot more judicious about taking them than he was sort of earlier on in his Lakers career. And, you know, he's done a lot for sort of spreading out the rest of his game, as it were. I mean, again, much-deserved all-star selection. You know, he and LeBron have been keeping this Lakers team afloat and in playoff contention all season long. And with Davis, you know, it's a similar story to Joel Embiid and Kawhi Leonard in that when they're healthy, you expect them to be one of the top players in the NBA and a clear all-star selection. And certainly for Anthony Davis, that's been the case once again this season.
4: Absolutely. And Anthony Davis makes another all-star team representing the Los Angeles Lakers and the head coach of the Western Conference is going to be Chris Finch from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Give me your thoughts on Chris being the head coach for the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it sort of tangentially when talking about Anthony Edwards, when talking about Carl Anthony Towns, but this Timberwolves team being top of the Western Conference at this point in the season was certainly not anything that I think anyone anticipated before the season started, but... I mean, you know, a lot of credit has to go to Chris Bench, who's been a real superstar of a coach the last few years. I mean, the turnaround that this Minnesota Timberwolves team has undergone, you know, of course a lot of that is due to drafting Anthony Edwards. A lot of that is due to the Rudy Gobert trade. But certainly last year it seemed like the Rudy Gobert trade was, you know, going to go down as a huge mistake for the Timberwolves. And yet, you know, again, a Huge lion's share of the credit, of course, has to go to the players for figuring all of that out, but some of the credit has to go to Chris Finch, too, for figuring out a way to manage the situation with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns so that it played best to both of their strengths. And, you know, it's turned into a situation where this Minnesota Timberwolves team, you know, not just the Western Conference leader, as I mentioned, not just the best defensive team in the NBA, as I've mentioned, but a team that has two players that people thought wouldn't be able to play together and certainly had a lot of evidence for that theory with last year's Timberwolves team. You know, of course, again, the line share of the credit has to go to the players, but Chris Finch has been able to figure out the rosters and figure out the scheme, figure out the rotation, such that Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards can all be at their best. And it's led to a shocking Timberwolves team at the top of the Western Conference and certainly a team that didn't seem, you know, as recently as last season like they were going to be a title contender anytime soon. Here they are, you know, top of the class in the Western Conference and one of the more dangerous teams to think about when we're looking ahead to the playoff situation.
4: All right, so the head coach of the Western Conference representing the Minnesota Timberwolves is Chris Finch, and we have our Western Conference All-Stars. Now, this is interesting, Nick, because this is the first year that the NBA All-Star game will return to the Eastern Conference versus Western Conference Previously, we had Team Giannis versus Team LeBron, or we had Team Steph versus Team LeBron, or we had kind of like those type of teams, but now we're getting back to the original Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. Do you like this format, or would you prefer uh, the players having their own teams and doing the draft on the night of the All-Star game?
1: I'm honestly torn, because I think the first couple of years of the players drafting their own teams and doing it that way rather than the traditional conference format. I think we got a couple of the best all-star games we've seen in a long time out of that situation. And, you know, I think that there's something certainly to be said for that. But, you know, with that being said, you know, the last couple of years, the game has not been anywhere near as much fun as it was the first couple of years of the drafting situation. And, you know, there were some funny moments with the draft situation. There were also some awkward moments. You know, it's like almost bringing me back to those playground days. And you know, thankfully, I was not the last kid picked for the teams. But you know, there was always a little pang in my heart when you know I would be sitting there watching whoever it was that was you know the last two, the last two people you know potentially being picked for any sort of playground game. And you know, there's that sort of element to it, which has some funny moments, had some sort of awkward, weird moments, but. Going back to the traditional format, I mean, there's a lot to be said for it. You know, certainly when you are talking about, you know, greatest all-star games of years past, you know, a lot of it was due to sort of Eastern Conference, Western Conference rivalry. So, it'll be fun to see that, you know, sort of come back into play. I mean, again, I'm torn just because we got a couple of great all-star games out of that player drafting format. We also got a couple of, you know, not great ones. And... Given, you know, that sort of situation, I think there's a lot to be said for going back to the traditional format and, you know, we'll have to hope that the, you know, sort of reinstating of the old format, you know, does a little bit to at least sort of raise the competition level of this year's All-Star Game as opposed to the last couple of years. So, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I'm not particularly leaning one way or the other. I think there were some real positives to the old system, but, you know, there's also something to be said for, you know, sort of bringing it back to the way that all-star games of yore that people remember so fondly were played.
4: Yeah, there have been some great all-star games when it was uh, East versus West, and there have been some good games as well when the players were allowed to draft their own teams, but it's good that they're going back to the East East versus West, but um, we shall see what happens. And also, not just the all-star game, but also what's big, what represents The All-Star Weekend is the events, such as the three-point shootout. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but we got something different this year. We have Stephan versus Sabrina. We'll have Stephan Curry go up against Sabrina Yonescu, who represents the WNBA's New York Liberty in a three-point challenge. Steph will will shoot from the NBA three-point line with NBA-sized basketballs. Ionescu will shoot from the WNBA three-point line with WNBA-sized basketballs. This is interesting right here. What's your thoughts on Stefan versus Sabrina?
1: So for people who have not necessarily been following Sabrina Ionescu's career, you know, since her college days at Oregon, if you haven't been, you know, the following might surprise you, but if you've been following Sabrina's career, it doesn't surprise you at all to hear that, Her immediate reaction to the news that you mentioned about Steph shooting from the NBA line and Sabrina shooting from the WNBA line, her immediate reaction was, let me shoot from the NBA line, which is just so telling of who Sabrina is as a player. I mean, you know, she's been a star of the WNBA essentially since she came into the league and, of course, the New York Liberty, you know, being a WNBA finals team last year, Sabrina was a huge part of that. I mean... She's been one of the, you know, clear stars of women's basketball for quite a while now. And I think it'll be a lot of fun for people who are not as familiar with her game to see how incredible of a shooter she is, see how ridiculously competitive she is, you know, genuinely one of the most competitive people in the world. And, you know, it'll be, you know, sort of more it'll be easier to sort of see her, you know, doing well in this contest with the ball on the line that she's familiar with, but it's not surprising at all to me that her immediate reaction was, no, I want to compete, you know, from the NBA line. I want to compete with the NBA ball. Let me, you know, challenge Steph directly on that front. And, you know, also, I mean, she's a Bay Area native who's been a Warriors fan and a Steph Curry fan for, you know, most of her life. So I'm sure it's incredible for her to get to compete against Steph in this contest, but, For people who aren't familiar with her game, do not be surprised at all to see her talking a truly absurd amount of trash when it gets time to the three-point shootout between her and Steph Curry.
4: This should be interesting. I think this could be one of the highlights of this year's NBA All-Star Weekend. And we have our skills challenge, and these gentlemen, I mean, hey, you can pick any any one of these players. They have an opportunity to do something in this competition. We have team pacers with Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and Miles Turner. And we have team top pick, Paulo Banquero, Anthony Edwards, and Victor Wimbanyama. And then team all-stars, Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, and Trey Young. Any thoughts that you may have on the skills challenge?
1: I mean, you know, for me, of course, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be the star of the show, but that's really really just for me. I think it's fascinating that they put together the team top picks with, you know, two guys in Paulo and Anthony Edwards that are playing in the All-Star game, you know, another guy in Victor who's gonna be there sooner rather than later, but, you know, again, it's fascinating that for the skills challenge you're seeing a seven foot four big man in his rookie year, right? But that's just the incredible, you know, versatility and, you know, again, Never before seen element of Victor Wembanyama, you know, essentially being a six six wing in a seven foot four center's body, and you know, it'll, it's always fascinating to see him handle the rock. And certainly, that'll be a huge part of the fun for me of watching the Skills Challenge. But I mean, honestly, you know, in terms of who I think is might have a chance to win the thing, I think that Team All Stars with you know Scotty Barnes with Trey Young and you know, those guys, they with, I think they will have the advantage heading into this game. I mean, you know, between Trey and Maxi, they, they have guys who can handle the ball, they have guys who are exceptional passers, and certainly if, you know, I had to predict who was going to come out on top in the skills challenge, I think I would go with team all stars.
4: Yeah, that team, All-Stars team, is phenomenal, not just with Scottie Barnes, but, man, Trey Young. As you said, his ball handling skills, and Tyrese Maxey is like the human tornado. He can just fly up and down that court, and certainly it should be Inter-Skills Challenge. My favorite part of the All-Star weekend, the three-point contest, we have Malik Beasley from the Milwaukee Bucks. Also, we have Damian Lillard from the Milwaukee Bucks. We've got Jalen Brunson representing the New York Knicks. We've got Tyrese Halliburton representing the Indiana Pacers, Laurie Markkinen representing the Utah Jazz. We've got Donovan Mitchell from the Cleveland Cavaliers. We have Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks and Carl Anthony Towns from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Your thoughts on the three-point contest?
1: It's funny. I thought Damian Lillard said that he was retiring from the three-point contest after he won last season, and yet here we are again. We came, and... You know, it's hard to bet on anybody but Dame winning this contest. You know, he's made it a staple of his incredibly storied resume that he's one of the best three-point shootout competitors we've ever had. So, you know, it's one of those things where, again, it's hard to pick anyone besides him, but this is a star-studded lineup of three-point shooters. I mean, Malik Beasley, you know, leading the league in three-point percentage, 47%, I believe, at one point this season, you know, he's someone who has been a real sign for this Bucs squad, and in a team that's had a lot of chaos this season, adding Malik Beasley has been a huge part of their success. You know, his three-point percentage is down a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but that's still only down to 44%. You know, he's been one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA this season, and he's been huge for a Milwaukee Bucks team that really has been able to take advantage of his ability to space the floor around Damian Lillard and around, you know, I though. You're know, certainly not surprising to see both of those Bucks guys in the competition. I'm always rooting for Tyrese Halliburton, you know, so that's that's not particularly a surprise. You know, if, if Keegan Murray had been in the contest, maybe I'd be rooting for him instead, but that's a different matter. Uh, you know, with Carl Anthony Towns, you've got someone who's, again, you know, one of the best big man shooters of all time, someone who's won the contest before, you know, certainly someone who I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to repeat in this one. And then, you know, Laurie Markkinen, one of the best, three point shooting seven footers in the league, you know, certainly someone who's got a shot in any sort of competition like this. And then, you know, finally, you know, three all-star guys who, again, definitely could make hay in this three point shooting contest. I mean, Trey Young has been one of the best three point shooters in the league for a very long time now. Certainly wouldn't be a surprise to see him take home the title. Donovan Mitchell, you know, we talked about the incredible season that he's having, the incredible season that the Cleveland Cavaliers are having and Similarly for Jalen Brunson, just a spectacular season for him and for the New York Knicks. So, you know, when picking winners, even though I love Tyrese Halliburton, it's hard for me to bet against Damian Lillard in this contest. And, you know, it's funny that he's immediately back in it after, I hope I'm not misremembering him saying that he was done with it after he won last year, but always nice to see him back in the contest. And certainly I think he's going to be the favorite to take it home again.
4: Larry Bird, Craig Hodges, Mark Price, Ray Allen, Dirk Nowitzki, Paul Pierce, oh my gosh, Steph Curry, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Carl Anthony Towns are just some of the players, including Devin Booker, are just some of the players that have won the three-point contest. And certainly, Damian Lillard has an opportunity to go back-to-back this year. But like you said, Nick, it's been so many great players. There are so many great players in this contest, in this year's contest alone. And, man, hey, you can take anybody, Damian Lillard, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, anyone. It's just um, definitely interesting. And certainly we've got um, a great one this year. And now for the Slam Dunk Contest, Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics. We also got Jacob Toppin from the New York Knicks. We have uh, Jaime Jaquez, Jr. from the Miami Heat. And last year's champion, Mack McClung from the G League. Your thoughts on the Slam Dunk Contest?
1: I'm excited about this year's Slam Dunk Contest. You know, I think part of that is because Max McClung really put on a show last year, and having him back in the dunk contest is a no-brainer, even if he's, you know, not on an NBA roster right now. But really the main reason I'm excited for this year's dunk contest is that Jalen Brown is participating. And, you know, having a top-flight all-star in the dunk contest is something that hasn't necessarily happened over the past few years. And so to see, you know, a top-of-the-line all-star, all-NBA guy in Jalen Brown, you know, coming back and doing the dunk contest, it's, it's giving me hope that, you know, he won't be the last sort of face-of-the-lead guy that we see taking on the challenge of the dunk contest. And, you know, with Jacob Toppin, I mean, his brother Obi won the dunk contest two years ago, so not particularly surprising to see Jacob Toppin competing in this game. You know, just absolutely spectacular, high-flying athlete, you know. Because we saw Max LeColng put on the show he did in last year's dunk contest, I think it's safe to say that Jacob Toppin is probably the least heralded dunker in this group, but you know, he's certainly someone who you know, he has the athleticism to really put on a show in this contest, and certainly with the family history, he'll probably be asking big brother Obi for tips on how to win the thing, but with Jaime Jaquez, I mean, I talked about him already, you know, with the Rising Star stuff, but he's had a spectacular season for the Miami Heat, and you know, if you see some of his warm-up videos, he throws down three fifty dunks with ease, so He's someone who I expect to, you know, have a real dark horse chance to sort of take the dunk contest title. But if I had to pick a favorite, I mean, just given how far ahead of the field he was in last year's dunk contest, how clearly focused he is on being a showman and certainly, you know, someone who I'm willing to bet has put in the most time working on their dunks in this year's uh, slam dunk contest field. It's hard for me to bet against Max Laplung here, but just, purely for the sake of making future dunk contests better, I would love to see Jalen Brown win this and, you know, make it a clear point to other all-stars that, hey, you shouldn't back out of the dunk contest because you might be embarrassed that you'll flub a dunk. You know, this is... A lot of people want to see the stars of the stars compete in the dunk contest. And, you know, again, there's been a few sort of down years for the dunk contest. I think last year was one of the better ones we've had in this past five ten years or so, but... For the dunk contest to really come back into being, you know, sort of an all-star weekend highlight like it's been throughout the course of all-star history, I think a lot will depend on whether Jalen Brown can prove to other all-stars that, you know, this is not only something that, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't be sort of shying away from, but it's something that you should be embracing and, you know, having a face of the league, you know, one of the all-star, all-NBA guys winning a dunk contest, I think would be great for the future of the contest. So if I had to bet money on it, I would probably bet on Max McClung, but my hope is that Jalen Brown wins this thing in a landslide and, you know, hopefully convinces other top of the league guys to come back and compete in the dunk contest going forward.
4: I think this is going to be a better contest this year than last year. It was not so long ago when the slam dunk contest was the creme de la creme of the All-Star Weekend. But the three-point contest in recent decades has superseded that. But we'll see. As you mentioned about Jalen Brown, maybe this would encourage other high-profile NBA superstars to get back in the slam dunk contest and that's our NBA All-Star Weekend with the game and including the great events such as the Slam Dunk Contest, the three-point shootout, and, of course, the Skills Challenge. I want to ask you now, Nick, just about Indianapolis. The city of Indianapolis is hosting this year's All-Star Game. We talked about New York and New York being passionate about a lot of things, and they love their basketball, but the state of Indiana and the city of Indianapolis – That history with basketball is phenomenal, and they love their basketball as well. Give me your thoughts on uh, Indianapolis hosting this year's All-Star Game.
1: It's definitely a city and a state that loves their basketball, and, you know, it's great to see that the Pacers are, you know, a good and fun team this year when, you know, they do have the All-Star Game in Indianapolis, but, Certainly, just you know, even in the weeks leading up to the event, it was very clear that this was something that meant a lot to the people of Indiana, to the people of Indianapolis. And you know, again, maybe it's not you know as sort of top of the line glitz and glamour as LA and New York in terms of markets, but you know, there's a lot to be said for how much basketball means to the state of Indiana and the city of Indianapolis. And Certainly that alone, I think, will make this a really fun all-star environment because, you know, there are going to be a lot of people there who desperately want to be there or are so happy that the game is in their city. I think there will be a lot of energy in the building for all of the all-star events, which, you know, is something that is true pretty much any year, but especially this year, you know, in a city that, you know, doesn't get as much shine as some of the other American metropolises for a city and a state that loves basketball as much as Indiana does, it'll certainly be a lot of fun to have the all-star game in Indianapolis. And, you know, again, I expect it to be very lively crowds throughout all of the events because there are going to be a lot of people who are very happy to see the all-star game here.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of tradition, not just in Indiana, but the city of Indianapolis when it comes to their basketball. And certainly they love their Pacers. And you hit the nail on the coffin. The the team has played well this year, and certainly they have a lot to celebrate. But just basketball fans have a lot to celebrate with this year's NBA All-Star Weekend being in Indianapolis. And speaking of the Pacers, I have to briefly talk about Tyrese Halliburton. Recently, he criticized the 65-game minimum rule in the NBA for those that that may have been living under a rock. The 65-game minimum rule was a measure that was passed during the new collective bargaining agreement where if players wanted to qualify for end-of-the-season awards, whether it be MVP, All-NBA Defensive Player of the Year, they would have to play in a minimum of 65 games and have to play at least over 20 minutes in the required game rule. I want to ask you, Tyrese had said that the rule is too much. The players are tired. I'm just paraphrasing what he said, but that was kind of like in the, what the arena that he was saying in. What are your thoughts on Tyrese's criticism of the 65 game rule?
1: I think he's completely right. At the same time, I think it was a good idea for the NBA to look into something like this. You know, essentially that There's a perception, and it's not entirely wrong, that, you know, NBA teams are resting their starters when they're, you know, not injured, but, you know, just sort of giving them rest time to make sure that they're ready for the playoffs, make sure that they're ready for, you know, sort of premier matchups that they might have. So, you know, I get why the NBA was considering this as a potential idea. So I think the idea is fine in a vacuum, but the way they're implementing it, I am totally on board with what Tyree said. I'm really not a fan of it. You know, it there's been you know rumblings that a lot of why certain players were you know playing games a bit hurt. You know, the past few months have essentially been because they want to meet those thresholds. And certainly that was something that was said about Joel Embiid in particular, where he was, you know, not playing at 100% health just so that he could make sure that he qualified for MVP at the end of the season. And, you know, of course, I can't say that, you know, him, the rumors of him playing somewhat hurt led to, you know, what ended up happening with his season-ending injury. But I think this kind of rule really penalizes the players who, you know, have slight, slightly more health struggles than others. I mean, you know, there are guys like Anthony Davis, right, who we talked about, who, you know, will reliably miss, you know, a few game stretches every season with, you know, some sort of minor injury. You know, I don't think it's particularly fair to, penalize the Anthony Davises and the Kawhi Leonard's of the world just for, you know, not having as great of a health situation as an Iron Man type, you know, a LeBron James, a Mikhail Bridges, an A.C. Green back in the day, right? I don't think it's fair to, you know, penalize guys who don't have as immaculate health records as others. I get where the NBA was coming from with this, you know, decision to implement this 65-game threshold, but... I think there has to be a better way of going about it than the way they're going about it now. And it'll be interesting to see just how long this threshold lasts because certainly Tyree Taliberton is not the only person in NBA circles who doesn't particularly agree with the implementation of the rules. So hopefully the NBA can figure out a better way to convey the concepts that they're trying to convey with this 55-game minimum of Hey, if your star guys are healthy, they should be playing, right? I get that conceptually, but I agree with Tyrese. This is the wrong way of going about it, and I hope they change at least some of the details around this threshold sooner rather than later.
4: I don't know. I disagree with you on that. I really thought they should have made it at least 70 games, and I think the reason why they, of course, I think the reason why they've done the NBA made this move was basically to give it to award the fans the right to see their favorite players be in the NBA. I think if people have paid a lot of money, regardless of what cities they're living in, whether it be major markets or small markets, I think they have the right to want to see a Joel Embiid or a Nikola Jokic or a Tyrese Halliburton or even a a Zion Williamson or maybe a Jason Tatum. I think the fans... Are definitely owe that right when we have to take into account in terms of whether you're driving or taking public transportation and not to mention you're, you're paying for parking passes and not to mention concessions and drinks and things of that nature so I mean I get what Tyrese is saying but I, honestly I feel that it should have been increased to 70 games and I think as from a, an athletic standpoint when a player is starting and stopping like that you know injuries can increase so I, I don't know I I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I mean I respect his comments wholeheartedly but I I just think that the fans and media like us I think we're deserving of covering those players and the stories and things of that nature but nevertheless he's uh Nick Agar Johnson editor-in-chief and writer for no Ceilings NBA, also host of the No Ceilings NBA Deep Dives podcast, and he's a co-host of the Kings Weekly podcast covering the Sacramento Kings. Thank you so much, as always. Nick, tell everybody what's going on over at No Ceilings and Kings Weekly.
1: Absolutely, Ed. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. It's a joy, as always, to talk basketball with you. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Johnson. I put up all of my work there, whether it be – for No Ceilings, which, of course, you can check out at com, And, you know, we also, of course, have the No Ceilings NBA podcast, which I host the Deep Dive show for on Wednesdays. And then Kings Weekly, you know, it's a relatively new show that I'm hosting with Ray LeBove, who basketball fans might know from the Basketball Intelligence Newsletter. That's been a ton of fun. We've had some awesome guest this season. You know, as someone who grew up in New York and has had the Brooklyn Nets as my second team, really, since I started following basketball, it was truly the honor of a basketball media lifetime to get to have a podcast interview with Sarah Kutok, you know, the Brooklyn Nets commentator. Just so much fun. You know, we've had some other amazing guests this season. You know, Jim Peterson of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Bob Raffin of the Atlanta Hawks, you know, just incredible fun to have that podcast, you know, talking about the Kings, also talking about, you know, the NBA as a whole and some of the teams that the Kings are playing. We've had some wonderful guests. It's been a ton of fun to do that show, and you can find Kings Weekly on Twitter at Kings Weekly Pod, and you can find the Kings Weekly Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Thanks again, Nick. And one more time, tell everybody where they can find you on social media as well as No Ceilings NBA, Kings Weekly, any websites. Let the listeners know that as well.
1: Absolutely. So again, you can find me on Twitter at NBA Johnson. No ceilings is at No Ceilings NBA or no Ceilings NBA dot com or No Ceilings TV for any YouTube listener slash watchers. Um and Kings Weekly is at Kings Weekly Pod on Twitter and the Kings Weekly Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
4: You heard it from him, he's Nick Agar Johnson. He is the editor in chief and writer for No Ceilings NBA, also co host of the No Seal, he's the host of the No Sealings NBA Deep Dives Podcast, and he's the co-host of the Kings Weekly Podcast, covering anything and everything related to the Sacramento Kings. Nick, this was fun, as always, and if ever you want to come back on, feel free to let us know.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Always great to talk All-Star Weekend with you, and would love to come back on the show sometime soon.
4: You got that. We'll be back with more right after this.
3: Modern Life is Life. Noise is everywhere. Excessive noise is harmful, linked to sleep deprivation, hearing loss, and heart disease. Should noise be the price we pay for progress? Actually, no. Many noise sources have quieter options. Gas powered landscaping equipment is obsolete, with battery powered options greatly reducing noise and air pollution. Audible car alarms are obsolete with vehicle immobilizers and GPS tracking providing silent anti-theft technologies. Quieter backup warning sounds are available, and adjustable directional sounds are less intrusive. So what can you do to reduce noise levels? Talk to store and building managers about safe sound levels. Work with elected officials and the police to strengthen noise enforcement. Join Noise Free America, a coalition to promote quiet. Alright everybody, that's gonna do it for this
4: edition of After Rim. Once again, a big special thank you to Nick Agar Johnson, host of the NBA Deep Dives Podcast. I should say host of the No Ceilings NBA Deep Dives Podcast. He's also an editor in chief and writer for No Ceilings NBA and also co-host of the Kings Weekly Podcast where it covers anything and everything dealing With the Sacramento Kings, of course. Great job as always for Nick for coming on discussing the NBA All-Star rosters, the NBA All-Star Week, and also the city of of Indianapolis hosting this year's game, amongst other things. Until next time, everybody, I'm at Robinson Tang. So long, and you take care.